Okay. Social hour is over. We're glad to have you. God bless you. The, the people will be coming in. The ushers will be closing the doors. And I'm kind of blinded by that. Blinded by the light. Kind of see that. All right. If you're a guest with us today, your first or second time, please fill out the registration on your, guy, your bulletin. Rip it off. Drop it in the offering plate. Uh, just to let you guests know if you your first or second time with us. There uh, are parking places. We hope you'll park in them, find them and park in them. They're all up close and our folks are not going to park in them, right? There you go. Um, last Sunday, last Sunday night, our youth had um, about 70 plus youth. It was awesome last Sunday night. And last, last night, and this morning they were, they were rocking the universe over in Orlando program called rock the universe. So I'm just surprised to even see them here. Glad they're here. Um, let's see what else. Okay. Um, baptism right at the end of this service, we'll be going next door behind here to the building. You'll see where everybody's going and we've got a baptism. I, I think there were 18 or 19 that had signed up for that. Um, Usually that means about 13 or 14 will show up, but um, we'll see today. Glad to, again that to be able to do that is just an awesome privilege and responsibility. Man up! I know I've seen Glenn going around both services. That's Tuesday night, men, 6:30. Great meal, um, and then fellowship together in a Bible study. You're out of there at eight o'clock. Starts at 6:30. Out at eight. They play cornhole and some other things before that. Love to have you come. Bible study, a Wednesday night. We've got uh, Stan is teaching a, a class. Oh, I wrote it down here to find out the name of it. How to Share Your Faith in a Faithless Culture. That is a, a great Bible study. Uh, that's on Wednesday night. There's a marriage class going on, financial peace. And then I have a class in here. So really blessed with a lot of opportunities for our folks. Now, I didn't announce it yet, but I'll, I'll start today. Um, well, First of all, there's a petition in the back. If you've not gotten one about choosing life, supporting our, our church that supports life, um, and they're, they're back there, and um, Kristen will be back there to meet you uh, at the end of the service if you need help with that. Um, on the 11th, it, that's Super Bowl Sunday, the 11th. And so we've been doing kind of a wear your favorite team jersey. It doesn't have to be whoever's playing. It could be high school uh, college, whatever, wear your favorite jersey and uh, kind of a straight up sports recognition day, um, hopefully for that also. All right, enough said there. Are you ready to worship some? Let's stand. Welcome somebody around you to church. Chases the cynical. There's a well for every thirsty soul. Come and dream. On the last breath of a criminal, hear it sung from every hymn. Oh, he's still working miracles.
how much you love us. You are love and you love us. 
Lord, we're so grateful this morning. We don't feel love sometimes, but it doesn't matter what we feel. We thank you, Jesus, that it's all about you and that you give us, Father, everything that we need. All we need to do is but ask it according to your holy word. We ask your blessing on this offering, Father, that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus. Sweetest name we know. God, thank you that when we don't have anything else, we have you. When our world feels like it's falling apart, you are just putting things in place so that you will receive glory. Father, we, when we have nothing else, remind us that we have you. Speak now through our pastor about how we can have hope because Jesus, we know your name is hope and hope has a name. Speak, let us listen. Open the eyes of our heart. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good full house again. We thank you for being here. You know, when I got here early, early, early this morning, way before daylight, it was actually warm and humid. And then after the last service, I just went over here by the door. It was freezing. It's, it's all in one day, that's Florida. Well, you know, looking out on this group, people that I, I recognize your faces almost immediately, don't know that I know every name, but... uh I think, you know, these folks are just like me. They've been through difficult things in life. They probably had uh, tragedies in their life. Some have had unexpected death. Some of us have had divorce. Some of us have had illness, uh, difficulties with children, grown children, you name it. Uh, there's been times where we did things and said things that, we wish we could take back. And what I want to do, because again, knowing that this is human nature, that we need to learn that because of the power and the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the slow to anger and the quick to forgive God that we have, it's never too late to start over with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, last week we looked at dealing with our doubts, um, and this today we're going to up the ante a little bit, because now this goes a little bit beyond just doubting, and this goes beyond feeling defeat or failure in life, and the fact is, uh, some young folks in here, maybe you haven't started this yet, but you'll reach an age where everyone experiences failure in their life. Young folks, you need to, do, to really understand this. Life is not an unbroken series of victories. It doesn't happen that way. Sometimes we all have setbacks, uh, and, and maybe you want to call it failure. failure. And there's things that just kind of overwhelm you. I was thinking and trying to read through the book of Job, and I found a, a verse in chapter 17, 11, where Job says this, My days have passed. My plans are shattered, and so are the desires of my heart. Anybody ever felt like that? You know, that the better days have passed. And then he says, uh, I kind of been left behind. My, my plans are shattered, and even my heart feels shattered. Maybe you felt like this recently. And I do realize today as we talk about this, about rebounding from a failure, that some of you are going to be sitting there saying, you know, Lord, I really don't need this message. But I would tell you, you better take notes because someday you will need this message because we all experience failure in our life. I want to do today what I did last week as far as breaking this down. I want to look at the causes of failure. Like last week, we looked at the causes of doubt. And then I want to look at the things that the Bible says to us personally of how we can overcome that and the fact that God wants us to overcome that and to start living for him every day of our life. So number one, these are five quick things. They build, if you will, on each other. They get a little bit more um, intense as we go through. But number one is this. We fail when we don't plan ahead. We fail when we don't plan ahead. This is all what the Bible says. And by the way, if you've got your Bible or your device we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. 
Some of these you may want to underline. They'll be on the screen, of course, but you may want to underline them. The book of Proverbs is a, is a book of practical, everyday living. You know, we read other books like John and Romans for theology, things like that. But the book of Proverbs just lays it out there about living life every day. So that's what I want to share with you today. We're going to be almost exclusively in the book of Proverbs. So it says this in Proverbs 27, 12. A sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. But the simple-minded man never looks and suffers the consequences. I, um, some of us are simple-minded. I am too in, in some areas. And the truth is this. Some of us have a tendency to be impulsive. I do. Anybody else? You, you tend to be impulsive. Okay, I, you know, I, I deal with that. Proverbs 16, 9. We ought to make our plans counting on God to direct us. That's a great verse. Question for you. Was it raining when Noah built the ark? No. It didn't rain for 120 years. Now, that's what I call long-range planning right there. But for 120 years, he worked on the ark. Jesus tells a story in the New Testament about a man who was building a building, but before he got it finished, he had not planned ahead. He didn't have enough to finish the job. So we've got to plan ahead. Number two, I told you we're going to move pretty quickly. We fail when we think we've arrived. In other words, pride. We fail when we think we've arrived. Proverbs says when you start thinking that you got it all together, it's going to fall apart. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. I read this week where someone said that the person who gets too big for his britches will eventually be exposed in the end. <laughs> you get that? But you know what the Bible does say? Let him who stands take heed lest he fall. We've got to be careful. Pride can cause us to fail. The average American thinks that they are above average. I don't know anybody that I've ever met who thinks that they're below average. But folks, are you listening to this? One of the symptoms of pride is when you don't think you need any advice from anybody. When you think you got it all together and you don't need to ask anybody, uh, you don't, nobody's got to tell you what it's all about. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So we fail when we don't plan ahead and we fail when we think we've arrived and, and, we, and, and, and we're proud. Uh, a doctor friend of mine in the area here has written a book that, that's called The Importance of Being Average. And, I, you know, it's a great book if you'd like to read it sometime. But, you know, I like, who was it that told me this years ago? He called it the story of the whale. He said, just about the time you get to the top and you start to blow, it's when they harpoon you. Right? So watch out for the whale. We fail when we think we've arrived. Number three. We fail when we're afraid to take risk. When we're afraid to take risk. <clears throat> Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man is a dangerous trap, but to trust in God means safety. The moment that you start to worry about what other people think or say, more than you think about what God thinks or says, you're in trouble. Folks, that, b believe it or not, that is the bottom line reason for every problem in America today. From politics and money to sexual immorality, everything is simply this. People do not care about what God has said or what God thinks. And they care more about what a majority thinks or a political person thinks. 
Some of you won't even know this. You may ask an older person. You probably got to be about 60 or above to know who I'm talking about. But there was a man named Fran Tarkenton. Well, not, a, not a woman. Fran was not a woman. He was the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. And Fran Tarkington, I used to love to watch him. But he said this one time. He said, fear sets you up to be a loser. And the most all the games that I lost, I started out and had fear. Fear will, will cause you, you've got to be afraid, uh, not afraid to take risk. Uh, again, someone else said, don't be afraid to go out on a limb. Because that's where the fruit is. Number four, we're getting to the biggie. Five is the biggie. Number four, we fail because we give up too soon. The Bible says we fail when we give up too soon. A lot of people just quit trying. Failure is not the path of least resistance. It's the path of least persistence. How many, ball, how many football, baseball, basketball games have been lost in the last second? Yesterday, I'm watching the Gators play basketball. They're ahead 21 points with eight minutes to go. And I said, I'm bored with this. I turned it off. Later, I see the game went to overtime. So, you know, we give up too soon. And I, I'm... I've been bad about doing that. A ball game gets out of hand and, you know, turn it away from it and come back, boom. You know, I wish I'd have stayed there and, and, and watched it. Proverbs 15, 19, a lazy fella has trouble all through life. Now, I don't have time this morning, and, and neither do I really want to because I don't want the emotions to come. But I spent all this week, Monday through Friday, dealing with the insurance company with this medication, and, and Kelly's laughing at me, and the phone system here. If you got dropped from us talking to you, it's Spectrum. It's not us. But I was on this phone all day, and I would spend 25 minutes talking to somebody, and it would just drop the call. I would have to call back, new person, got to go through the whole spiel again. I did that four times in one day. Again, I better stop there because this is, not a, this is not an exaggeration. I talked to four different people and got four different answers. But nevertheless, I didn't give up. And I really was ready to. I was ready to take the little hammer that I got, smash the phone, <laughs> rip it out of the wall, and just say fooey on all of it. But I, but I didn't do that. And the truth is, Listen, if at first you don't succeed, no. If at first you don't succeed, you're normal. That's what happens in life. You're normal. Thomas Edison tried 200 different elements before he found the right one that would work in an incandescent light bulb. And he said, no, it is not a failure. It was an education I know 200 things that won't work. Abraham Lincoln lost, I don't know how many offices before he finally, I think, won one and was elected later to the presidency. But he lost over and over and over again. Folks, a big old oak tree is just a little nut that refused to give up its ground and just kept on and kept on and kept on. We fail because we don't plan ahead, because we think we're, we've arrived and there's pride. We're afraid to take risks. We give up too soon. But the number one, you know, bing, 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 down to number one reason that we fail is we don't listen to God. We don't listen to God. That is the number one reason. In Proverbs 14, 12, and again over in Proverbs 16, the Lord put this exact phrase in the Bible twice. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. That is true from everything in the beginning that we call salvation, that there are people who they have a way that seems right. 
I'm going to join a church. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to take communion. You know, I've done more good than bad in my life. That is what it's talking about. Seems right to them, but the end ends in death. Only through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. God's word, listen, that's why I, I make such a big deal about that all the time. Some Sundays more than others, but folks, the Bible is not only God's commands of what to do and not to do, his principles and, and, and his, um, his guidelines, all of that in the Bible is to make us into him being like him. We really got to get into the, into the word of God. And here, are you listening to this? Here's another fact. God's word is usually the opposite of my natural inclination. And this I can say, God's word is always the opposite of our culture. And what they say is right and wrong. The Lord said, my ways are not your ways. Mine are higher than yours. When we don't listen, we're going to get into trouble. Amen? All right. Now, regardless of how we fail or why, those five things, what can we do? And I'm going to be building up here to something, an illustration of a couple of men in the Bible that is so, so, I believe, just to the point. But let's begin down below. The first one is like the first one of last week. When we said, you know, admit, admit your failure. Well, this is almost the same. Number one, accept responsibility for your own failure. If you did it, if you caused it. Now, there are things in life that other people do and other people cause and you didn't. But if you did it, if you own it up and, and accept it. Proverbs 28, 13. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and what? Forsakes. Confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. What does that mean? Lord, I was wrong. The word confess in the Bible does mean you agree with God. What God says about that in your life, you agree with God about it. And then you forsake that. We, today, we blame, we blame the economy. We blame another political party. We blame our spouse. We blame our parents. We blame our children. But God says, if you want to start over, begin with confession. I don't know, I don't know where we got the idea that we have to walk around. And, and this was, when I grew up, this was a, uh, an issue that was, you didn't talk about it, but it was in the church that you, you know, you had to act like that you, you had it all together. You know, you didn't sit up here like I do sometimes and tell you how bad it is and how life stinks sometimes. 1974. How many of you were like me? You were alive. 74. <laughs> A lot of them didn't raise their hand. In 1974, an 88-game winning streak by UCLA basketball stopped when they lost to Notre Dame. They lost in a game that they had been ahead by 11 points. In Los Angeles the next day, the headline said this, John Wooden, blame me. I let us get overconfident. That's what I'm talking about. He said, look, you can blame me. Accept responsibility for your own failure. What else can we do? Number two, and this is a biggie here for Christians, stop regretting and start repenting. Stop regretting and start repenting. Now, number two and three, I'm leading up to something, how they're going to kind of fit together. They do fit together. If you've had a major failure in your past, and you know what it is. It, it probably came to your mind. Folks, God wants you to, if you haven't already, quit regretting that and start repenting about it. And we'll tell you the difference. And, and by the way, the word repent in the Bible is the word metanoia. And it simply means to change your mind. That's where it starts. God's, you know, I'm doing this. 
God said the other way, I change my mind and I start going 180 degrees in a different direction. I obey what God has asked me to do. But here's what I'm saying. I know a lot of people, they feel like, well, you know what, pastor, if you knew what I did, if you knew how long I did it, da, 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 on and on. I mean, you would just, you would understand God couldn't possibly use me again. That's baloney. God can use you. you. Read your Bible. Read and find out about these people that we, and we'll look at them in a minute, heroes of the faith and what they did and how God used them. 2 Corinthians 7.10 is an unbelievable great verse that we're going to dissect for a while. The sadness that is used by God brings a change of heart that leads to salvation. And there's no regret in that. But worldly sadness causes what? Death. See, here's, here's two kinds of sadness mentioned in this verse. A godly sadness and a worldly sadness. Godly sorrow, if you will. Worldly sorrow. Well, what is the difference? Well, godly sorrow, it says here, motivates you to bring about a change of your heart. It motivates you to do something. You know, I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. I, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to learn from this. And I'm going to start obeying God. Worldly sorrow is demoralizing. It's depressing. It won't let you go. It's there every day. Try to go every night. You try to drown it out with alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever it may be. Worldly sorrow causes death. One of the most devastating emotions in life is self-pity, you know, self-pity. Poor me. You know, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. think I'll eat some worms. Everybody. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. You know, I'm convinced that there are some things that we only learn through failure going through a failure in our life, and we learn from that. Whenever you had kids growing up, which a lot of you did, and you told them don't do something, what was their natural inclination? To do it. Don't touch, I remember, don't touch the heater. You know, we had one of those growing up, uh, it wasn't like central heat and air, an old kerosene heater, you know, that was in the room, big old thing there, and it got hot. Don't touch it. I had to do it. I had to know why. Tell you some other stories. And by the way, I don't know, some, somebody, and I believe it was this service, but somebody in one of the two services told me last week about them, I think they said they were going to the grocery store and, 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 and told their kids, you know, whatever you do, do not put them beans up your nose again. And they did, and they had to take them to the emergency room. Anybody want to admit that you told me that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, true, true story. Another verse that I've shared with you before is not in your notes, that sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. So stop regretting and start repenting. And then number three, and we're going to delve on this for a moment. Forget the former and focus on the future. Another great two verses in the Bible. You need to underline these at some point. Philippians 3, 13, 14. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Folks, Paul has said here, and he says it again in, in another place in Philippians and Corinthians, I'm not going to let my past defeat me. And if there's a man that could have done that, it would have been this man. Folks, listen, I, I thought about this this week. Paul's life would have been like if, somebody, if, if Paul and a, a bunch of soldiers from a religious hierarchy came busting through the door and arrested us and took us back to their hometown to be tried, to be beaten, 
to be killed, some of us, for no reason other than that we were believers. That's what the man was doing. Whenever they stoned Stephen to death, Paul, the Bible says, was the one standing there holding all their coats so they could throw the stones. And this is the man that said, this one thing I do, I'm going to forget the past and I'm going to look forward to the future. My question, what memory in your life are you maybe right now allowing to manipulate you? And every time it comes up, you, you, you got to go back. Oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. God, please forgive me. You know, and, and you, you go over it and you go over it and it bothers you. Now, let me give you a key example that I told you I would like to do. Folks, this, this is a great example here. This thing about godly sorrow and repentance is how Peter and Judas both reacted to failure. You do know, right, that Peter and Judas were both disciples. They were both, folks, if I were able, men, if I were able to be with you every day, morning and night for three years, I think I'd get to know you pretty well. That's what these men did. That's what Peter and Judas did. But notice how they react toward Jesus, toward failure. Here we've got a classic example of two men responding to failure in totally different ways. Peter denied Christ three times, right? And Jesus said, when you do that, a rooster's going to crow. Let's look at verse 75 of Matthew 26. Immediately, the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. What were those words? Peter, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. One of the other apostles that wrote added this to that story, said when Jesus was being tried and the, and the rooster crowed, he turned and he looked at Peter. And Peter saw him. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine what this man who had been with the Lord for three years is now feeling? Don't you know that he thought I could never, ever be a part of that man's life again. I could never be used by him again. And, and felt defeated. Now look at Judas. Judas had worldly sorrow. Matthew 27, the next chapter, beginning in verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 coins to the chief priest and said, I have sinned. I betrayed innocent blood. They said, what's that to us? That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money in the temple and he left and he went out and hung himself. We learn in the next book that not only did he go out and try to hang himself, but he failed. He tried, but it broke, and it, he fell, it said, on the cliff and burst himself open, and that's how he died. Now, Peter, some people look at that and say, well, wait a minute. It says he had remorse, and he said, I've sinned. He must have gone to heaven. No, he didn't. Jesus said about Judas, better for him had he never been born. And they keep talking about how Judas went to his own place because of betraying the Lord Jesus Christ. One of them commits suicide. One of them repents bitterly. Are you listening? On Resurrection Sunday, Mary runs to the tomb and sees Jesus and talks to the Lord. And Jesus said this, Mary, go back and tell my disciples and Peter. Why would, why would he do that? I mean, Peter's a disciple. All you got to do is say, go tell my disciples. And he'd be included. No, go tell my disciples and Peter. Because the Lord knew his heart had changed, was giving him a chance to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that not long after that, there's eight of the disciples. They're down at the Sea of Galilee. And they went out fishing. 
and they look, and I think sit about 100 yards from the shore, and Jesus is fixing breakfast for everybody. And one of them, and, and Jesus said, hey, boys, have you caught anything? No. Throw the net on the other side. So they did, and it was so full of fish, they couldn't hardly pull it. Peter didn't care anymore about the fish. It says he jumped out of the boat, started swimming to the shore because Jesus was there. Because one of them said, that's the Lord. When they got there and ate, the Bible says Jesus looked at Peter, said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. A little bit later, minutes later, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Three times, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Three times, because I think he denied him three times. And he gave him three chances to change his mind. This man, about 50 days later, preached a sermon, and 3,000 people walked forward to get saved. That was Peter on at the day of Pentecost. I don't care what your failure in life may have been or is. You are not washed up if you will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and give him your heart and your life. All right, quickly, number four, and we'll end. Number four, trust God to work it all out. Trust God to work it all out. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not going to skip some of my notes here. I haven't, I haven't told anybody this. I haven't even told Nancy this yet, I don't think. Friday, no, 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 it ain't nothing. I didn't do nothing bad. <laughs> She'd know if I did something bad. I'm not good at hiding. Um, Friday was a rough day with this, all this insurance mess. I'd already been through it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I mean, to, the, to a level of frustration you couldn't believe. Friday morning, and I do this every morning when I get in my vehicle. When I get in my vehicle, the first thing I do is punch the button so that the radio won't come on. Because I want to back out and, and see and hear and, and everything. So that's the first thing I do. And plus, I start praying immediately, and I don't want to hear anything on the radio, so I punch it off. That's almost before, so punch. Friday morning, I get in my car, and I've, I know what I'm about to do to go to the church and start making phone calls again. And so I get in my car, I start it, immediately punch the button to turn the radio off. It's never, ever not done that. The first thing, and this is all I heard. This is all I heard. Why would he fail now? He won't. Radio went off. That was it. That was the song that we sing. That's all I heard. Why would he fail now? He won't. And it went off. And it was like, Lord, really? Three seconds out of a whole day? And I get here at the exact time that that's going to be played and those exact words of that song uh, almost brought tears. You got to trust God to work it out. And I believe that he will. And here's what I said. Kelly, I didn't tell you or anybody about this. But here's where I've come to the conclusion. And I think you said it once in the office that day when I had to go to your phone. 